I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, and welcome to the Roman Run League podcast. I'm your host, former NFL scout, Tyler Roman. I have a special episode for you today. ESPN's John Kime will join the show. He's the inaugural guest on the Rome Run League podcast. Only fitting because he's someone I look up to in this business and has really helped me get my start in this area of sports. He's an all-around great guy. We talk about the Washington football team offseason and get his take on what he's seen so far in rookie camp and OTAs, among other other topics. Also, gives his insight on one of his favorite seasons covering the team in his last 20 years of covering this team. And it's a really insightful uh, take on what he's uh, seen so far over these last two decades. Before I get to the interview, I wanted to hit on the Morgan Moses release and the Jerron Christian release as well. You know, it's, it's a move that, you know, came a little surprising. I thought it was unnecessary almost because, uh, you know, I think you take away from depth a little bit. Obviously, Morgan making $7 million, so you definitely get out of that cap space. Um, but, you know, Morgan was pretty solid last year. One of his better years, his last couple years, um, is a guy that just is durable. You know, yes, he does get injured a good amount, but he always plays through those injuries. Um, definitely a respectable veteran on this team. So maybe scratch my head a little bit, but it's not the end of the world. I think it really shows what they, they like in Samuel Cosme, having him on the right side now with Charles Leno on the left side. Cornelius Lucas is going to compete for that right tackle job as well. But I just think it keeps him, it makes him a little bare on that tackle position, especially with the compounding with the Jerron Christian release as well. Because now you basically have Cosmic, Leno, Cornelius Lucas, uh, David Sharp, and then, you know, Sadiq Charles can play left tackle as well. He, he actually did that in the first day of OTAs this week with Leno missing it for the birth of his child. So, um, you know, it just kind of makes it a little odd to me. But again, I think it's not the end. I think it's a good move to save that money. I, I Hopefully just, you know, no injuries happen and it comes back to haunt the team. But you know, I think Leno is a really good, you know, solid left tackle, especially at the $5 million price that he got from the team, you know, two weeks back. And, you know, I think Hazi is ready to play. Um, I would have liked to seen him sit a little bit. And that's why Cornelius Lucas might be the guy on day one at right tackle. But he's a guy that's almost an average player as well. So if Cosby is better from day one, then Cosby needs to be the starter. So, um, you know, I think it's still going to be a solid offensive line with Leno, Eric Flowers or Wes Schweitzer or Sadiq Charles, a left guard, um, Chase Rulli at center, obviously Sheriff at right tackle, and then Cosmere Lucas at right right tackle. And, um, you know, so it it was an interesting move, but again, I I don't think it's the, um, there's multiple angles you could take, take, uh, take at it. So, um, and next just, you know, I saw the Ricky Seals Jones signing for the team. Obviously this team is not satisfy with their tight end position just yet and as they should be logan thomas is clearly the starting tight end but behind him there's a little dearth of talent you'd say um obviously they drafted john bates in the fourth round this year out of boise state he's a guy that they really like good blocking tight end i think he's more of upside of a tight end too in this league um but you know ricky seals jones a guy that had a really nice you know solid the year in 2019 with the cleveland browns um had some drop issues he was a converted wide receiver from texas a&m 
But a guy that I think has talent, he's still on the younger side, only being 25, 26 years old. Um, I like they bring him into camp. The worst is a camp body, but I think he's a guy that can make this team, especially if they keep, you know, three to four tight ends, which obviously they're expected to. Logan and Bates are definitely making the team. The third and fourth spot is going to be go down to Deion Yelder, Ricky Seals Jones, um, Tamaric Hemingway, um, obviously Samus Reyes. And, you know, we actually, me and Kyle hit on Samus Reyes a little bit. We don't think, I don't know if he's going to be able to really be in contention for the roster spot due to his, in, his inexperience. But um, obviously he's on the team. And, uh, you know, I think he will at least show that he's going to be a practice squad body going forward and someone that can develop. So without further ado, let's get to the main event. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Now I am joined by ESPN NFL Nation reporter and host of the John Kime Report. John Kime. John, thanks for joining me. It's an honor to have you as our, my first guest on this podcast. Well, thanks for having me on, Tyler. Thank you. Thank you. And so for this first question, I'm going to go, you know, rookie camp was recently and OTA has got underway. You've had an opportunity to be at both. Uh, how much stock can you uh, you put in or the team put in as you know what you're seeing out there at practices and in drills? It's to me, it serves as a barometer to measure guys as they progress throughout the offseason. You know, you can put there's some stock you can put depending on the kind of drills you're seeing. Um, you know, are we seeing a lot of one on ones, for example? And if so, does a certain receiver stand out? Does a defensive back stand out? Whatever. Because um, you're obviously there's no contact. So that limits what you're going to learn. But there are a couple of things, and I'll give you a couple of examples. Several years ago, for the people who remember Anthony Armstrong, uh, I remember he stood out in the spring. And I didn't dismiss him, certainly, but I also like you just like, well, how much stock you put into that? Because I've seen other guys stand out in the spring who didn't then didn't translate it to the summer. Anthony Armstrong did, and he went on to catch like 44 passes. So it reminds you that, you know, yeah, you can take something out of this. Then a few years ago, Terry McLaurin comes in as a rookie, and it wasn't he didn't have a bad spring by any means. But you saw some things that were maybe he wasn't quite as advanced as he needed to be. For example, there were routes where uh, he's going to get up against Dominique Rogers Cromartie, and maybe he's not fooling him, right? Because, like, you know, you'd see some routes like, wow, he's not even biting on that. Why is that? And then Cromartie tells him, uh, he tells him that, you know, well, you're kind of running your routes at the same speed or whatever, so I know where you're going to go. And, um, McLaurin goes and works on that, and then you take it to the summer where you saw a change in McLaurin's game automatically because he worked on it in the interim in the six weeks between end of minicamp and training camp. So those are the things that you kind of look for. How does a guy progress from it? You know, and so I, I think, you know, tempo that they're working at. I thought the tempo was good the other day. So I think those are among the things that, you know, because you can tell, you can only tell so much. How does a guy move? You know, does Jamin Davis look like an athlete? Well, he should that's partly why they drafted him. If he doesn't, then there's some, why is that? So there are definitely things you can learn, but you can't take, like what I always laugh at, Tyler, is like if somebody, if I or someone else tweets out a video of one play from a, from a May practice and people extrapolate either the guy is a complete bust 
or he's a Hall of Famer. Well, it's one play. And so, again, what you do is you you measure progress. That's what I like to do. I get that. I get that. And, you know, picking back off that, you know, saying tweeting stuff, people going crazy. Uh, Troy Ackley was working a quarterback. I heard you reporting that among others, and I saw people losing their mind about that. You know, what do yes. you think about that? And you think he, can he make that switch? I mean, what, what's your take on that? I don't know if he can make that switch, but I think what it tells me, and you know, I mean, you as, a, as somebody who scouted, like speed always sells, and teams will always try to find a way. If it's basketball, you're going to find a way to to make a guy with size work. If it's baseball, you're going to make it work with a left-handed pitcher. In football, especially, you're going to make it work with speed if a guy has the right size, and Apke has the size. I mean, he he ran, I think it was like a four three forty in his pro in a, back in the day. Mm-hmm. So he's got that, and so they're going to try to to see is this to me what it tells me is like it, clearly he didn't play safety well last year. We all saw that. I'm not going to tell anybody any different because we all saw what we saw, and and they saw it too. And they you know, and so this is a last chance for him to contribute to an NFL roster, at least to this one, I believe. And um, because I think because of the speed, because of the special teams ability, I think they want to find a way to keep him. Now, will it work? I don't know. I think what the theory for them is, what I know the theory for them is that the middle of the field, he did not handle well. Maybe by limiting him to one side of the field, he'll be able to read it better. And, and read it better, react better, not have all that responsibility in his head because you'd see him get turned around way too much and not handle that. He'd get fooled by all this stuff in front of him. And, and that's part of the thinking. Now, whether it works, we know that's a tough transition. It is really hard to make that transition. But if you looked at his measurables, they probably look more like a corner than they do a safety, um, just from his size, his length, and his speed. Um, doesn't mean he can do it. But I do like where I give him credit is like, you may as well try. It's May. This is the time of the year. Like, this is where I kind of found it funny that people kind of freaked out that it's May. This is when you experiment with this stuff. Because if you don't, what if you don't experiment like that? He gets cut and goes to another team when they do that. And he's like, why don't you guys try him there? Well, you are. It's May. See if he can do it. And if he can't, then you cut him. It's okay. You know, I mean, you know, it's so, so yeah, it's just, it's an experiment to see if you can make, if you can salvage something out of a guy with really good speed. No, I agree with you. And you know, that's my take too. I agree with you a hundred percent is that like, he, I don't know if he can make the switch. I think he has a poor hit movement, you know, playing corner has a lot of, you know, mobility coming out of position, trying to switch yeah. the point and safety. Obviously we knew, like you said, it wasn't there the first two years of Washington, even at Penn State. I think his combine is the reason he got drafted that high. I mean, he had he oh, definitely. He was not a fourth round pick. He was more of a sixth or seventh rounder based on film. Right. They definitely yeah. overdrafted him. Exactly. They overdrafted him. And you, but I agree with you. This is a time to experiment because more likely or not, this is his last chance to stick onto the roster. So why not, like you said, see what he can do and maybe they can keep him going forward because obviously they like a special teams ability, but you know, can't keep them just for that at this point because you got other guys contributing as well. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the other thing. And I say this about the speed. It takes more than speed to play corner. We know that it takes, you know, you watch like they had the video of JC Horn um, the other day. I think it was in, Car- in Carolina's camp and just the way he's coming out, like coming out of his backpedal and his stance and all that. And the explosiveness he comes out of that with and the, and the, and the perfect form he uses. I don't know if Apke has any of that, you know, and, and but this is when you find it. But it, my point is it takes more than just, hey, the guy ran a 4-3. He has a size. He has a length. Now he can play corner. 
Well, we don't know that. And yeah. and I'm not going to discredit guys who have played corner their whole life to say, oh, it's an e- it's not an easy transition. There is a different read that you have to make. You have to understand route concepts a little bit differently. And you have to be able to break, you know, you, how do you break out of your stance? How do you play a back shoulder? How do you play this route? So there's a lot that you have to learn. Um, but again, it just tells you, again, what it is, though, the guy does have speed, and so they're going to try and find a way, see if they can get anything. And listen, we're not talking about a starting corner here. We're talking about a, a way for a guy to be maybe your last, because you're going to, you know, you you know this, like you're usually going to take, it's, whether it's an extra corner or an extra safety, maybe he's your sixth corner, but he can play special teams and he'll be active. That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about, hey, is he going to bump Kendall Fuller? No, no. It's just to see if this guy can stay on the roster and help you at this position. But there's a, you know, like I said, there's so many little things that go into it that to think it's an easy transition, well, of course it isn't. Exactly. I mean, he he's fighting with Danny Johnson and Greg Stroman for that last, you know, corner. So yeah. He's not fighting with playing time for St. No. So like said, Kendall Fuller, stuff like that. So right, 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 right. But, um, and obviously, there's only been a few days between rookie camp and OTAs. But has someone, anyone, stood out to you so far? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I don't know that any one player stood out as much mm-hmm. as I think the overall tempo maybe stands out. Um, and I think that you can can you can attribute that to uh, the the. You have a veteran quarterback who came in who knows how to learn a new offense, knows how to incorporate himself into a new system. Then you have three other quarterbacks who know your offense, and it allows you to practice, off, especially an offense, at a different tempo. And there aren't problems coming in out of the huddle. And that's, you know, that that was an issue last year in, in training camp. They're, they didn't always practice with the tempo they wanted because you had people learning things. And, and now you – you know, while Fitzpatrick, Ryan Fitzpatrick is learning this, he's been through it so much that he understands what has to be done and how. And um, so I think that stood out. Um, and I think, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that anything else necessarily just grabs you. I mean, I think Fitzpatrick's veteran, I guess savvy maybe, for lack of a better word, I think that stands out just with the way in listening to him talk in a press conference after how he goes about learning or and learning a new system, a new team and the little things he's picked up along the way to help with that, that kind of, but that's a post-practice thing that jumps out. But, um, and I think when you look at the last thing I'll talk to is when you look at their offensive line, for example, well, we know we, that they, we know they cut um, Morgan Moses and Jaron Christian, but then when you look at it, it's like, okay, they got, Charles Leno wasn't there. Um, we'll see him next week. But Charles Leno wasn't there, but they have him for left tackle. They drafted Cosme, who can play left or right. Well, clearly, if Leno's going to play left, you would think he'll play right. Yep. Then you got Cornelius Lucas, who did a you know was a solid backup last year. Um, but then you also have Sadiq Charles and Eric Flowers. And so, where how are you going to incorporate those guys? You can. Charles did work at some tackle. Everything I've heard this offseason was competing for a guard spot because that's why I was told, hey, they want a left tackle in the draft, right? So, but point is, though, you look at some of these guys like, well, where's this guy going to fit in? Is this guy going to be able to start, crack that lineup? Whereas in the past, they definitely would have. So there's, it looks like on paper, they have really good depth along that front, even after cutting Morgan Moses. And I think that's something that 
whether it jumped out or stood out, it was something that that you noticed. The I potential guess. for that. The potential for that. Exactly. Because like Charles has to stay healthy and Cosme has to show he can play. Because otherwise, then you don't have it. But but that but if that happens, then you do. Yeah, I mean the potential with the you know, Morgan Moses, you know, release it could backfire. Something happens. Or could happens. absolutely. If Lucas, you know, struggles going to the right side, I mean, Lucas was adequate last year, but obviously he's not. At best, him. yeah. Exactly. So. Um, That's why they looked for a left tackle. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, moving on a little bit to the wide receiver position, it was one of my favorites to evaluate. You know, this year's group is much deeper than years past, you know, with Terry, Curtis Samuel, Humphreys, Deami Brown, Cam Sims, AGG, uh, Harmon, you know, to name them all. But basically, how many guys do you think they will keep this year? And if you had to guess, you know, how, who do you think will be the odd guys out, you know, at this point? Well, I, I think you almost have to keep six. And then it's like, do you keep, then you, do you keep a seventh? And so when you look at it, obviously McLaurin and Samuel, Adam Humphreys, Deami Brown, that's four right there. Cam Sims would be five. And then you're looking at does, does Antonio Gandy Golden take a step because he needs to. Mm -hmm. Kelvin Harmon, I like, they like Harmon's physical style, but where's he at in terms of how he's running and his speed after his injury? Um, Dax Mill. I think he's going to be an interesting guy to watch uh, develop here. Now, I, I kind of view him as a guy that maybe you put on the practice squad and try to groom him to perhaps take over for Humphreys in 2022. So I think there's – but I you know, definitely think there you would keep six, and, and it's like that last spot. I mean, Isaiah Wright, we haven't even mentioned him. He did a yeah. nice job last year, but he also tailed off, and they know that. They, he tailed off at the end of the year, and he's not a fast guy. So he's got – but he'll be in that mix too. But I think if you're looking at that last spot, you probably be, if if it's just six, then it'd be like Gandy Golden, Harmon. Does Dax Milne kind of you know does he kind of wedge himself into that? And then do you keep seven? So, um, yeah. but yeah, definitely, you know, I think it's it's going to be. I think there. That's one thing too. And I one thing that I'm curious to see is how does Cam Sims build on his finish because he had a really good finish, and I sure. do think that that with a guy like Fitzpatrick, you know, and even if Heineke has to play that, that they'll be looking a little bit more to areas that Cam Sims probably runs well, right. Some of those outs and, you know, some things down the middle, like I think he's pretty good there. So does, how does he build on that, that finish? Because it, that did open their eyes. Well, yeah, because I even heard even Ron mentioned in the post, in the, I guess, post-practice presser saying that he liked the Fitzpatrick hit Cam Sims on a back shoulder. So, I mean, yeah, it was a nice thing. Like, you know, throwing to him. I think Cam's definitely in the picture there. Um, yep. And a guy, you know, we left out, and I think it's for a reason, and it was obviously – Steven odd. Sims. Yeah, I'd rather him not, not there with OTAs. I don't know the reasons for – but do you think he's just no chance? Because I think me and you both liked him going into last year. And I did. I did. I'm not going to, I'm not going to rewrite. I'm not going to rewrite that. I liked how he finished in 2019, you know, when he was on some, you know, he was dusting guys at the line. I mean, he was making them look silly at the line and like, okay. And he, and I know what he worked on in the off season. And so, um, so yeah, I I think like he got hurt too by injuries. Um, It slowed him. And, but the problem that he had, and this is, one of the reasons why they were reluctant to put him back at punt returner as a rookie is because of ball security. And I think that flashed more last year. And there were a couple of drops that he had uh, in some games where they felt like even when, when Haskins was a quarterback, where they felt like you make that catch 
and now it becomes something different for them, like some third down catches where he just dropped a wide open pass, things like that. That all hurt him. I still think the guy can – I mean, I think the guy can get open. You know, whether or not he can be a consistent pass catcher um, is another matter. But, you know, yeah, I mean, it certainly is a major uphill battle for him because they – I don't know where he would fit. He'll have to have a really good camp. And I think it may take someone else maybe getting hurt for a little bit for him to make it. But, um, yeah, no, I liked him going into last year. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And, you know, I might be in the minority here, but I'm, I was just wondering, you know, from your perspective, you know, everyone's saying, like, you know, like you said as well, Humphreys is a lock to make it. And I, I don't know. I think he – I'm sure he's a 90% chance to make the roster. But you have a guy like Sean Davis last year that gave one-year deal. He was Correct. Humphreys, a guy with injury history, you know, closer to 30. Right. You know, what's, let's say Steven Sims has a great year out of the slot, a great preseason out of the slot, or even Dax Milleen or Millen. Um, Nope. Would that, that push Humphreys out, or do you think Humphreys is a lock at this point? Well, I think right now you you have to put him as a, a strong favorite. But yeah, you don't know what if what if there's another concussion. What if something happens? You know, what if he doesn't show what they hope? <clears throat> I think what they are expecting though from him is, and I think I think with the way you've added with the way you they have added speed on the outside with Samuel and Deami Brown that you can have a guy like Humphreys working the middle of the field with along with the tight end. Because one thing you notice when one thing I noticed when you'd watch his games is how well he works in conjunction with someone next to him and how well he plays off the tight end. So I think he and Logan Thomas will be able to work that middle of the field pretty well. And I think that's where I think his reliability will be welcomed. And I think that's the thing that that I think they'd be reluctant with Sims on is his hand, will he be reliable? Could he be reliable? They don't need necessarily a big time playmaker there because I think, you know, they, I just mentioned three guys who could be that. And then I'm going to throw Antonio Gibson in there as another guy that you could put out there and do some things and incorporate in various ways who can be a playmaker for them. So what you need there is a reliable guy who knows how to run routes, get open third and five. And it's funny because I was talking to somebody in Tennessee. I'm like, well, what do you think? He's, well, if it's third and five, he's going to get you 5.09999 yards. <laughs> but you need that. You need that. And again, I, you know, I, I stress the way he works off of the tight end in the middle of the field. So I do think I would, I'm not going to call anybody a lock. I'm not going to call anybody in his spot a lock because mm-hmm. of what you said about Sean Davis. But I'd be really surprised if he's not on that 53. I think it would have to take like he's just too banged up. You know, he just doesn't look the same because he's too banged up. And then it's a matter of does Milne, you know, wedge again, does he somehow, does he show a lot more to, to put himself on the 53 or does Sims look like a different receiver to them than he did during the season? And again, it, again, I stress it was his hands. I mean, he's got to do better with, with the ball security and, and, and with his hands and be more consistent. I got you. Yeah. And, you know, looking at the offseason as a whole, obviously, I think it's a solid, you know, pickup with Fitzpatrick. Curtis Samuel and Jackson, Bob McCain and Charles Leno of late. Um, is there anyone who sticks out to you or most excited to see this year or at camp when it comes to free agent signings? Um, I'm really curious to see if it, Fitzpatrick. I'm, I think there's – well, let me – I'm going to go run down a couple, but I, I think I'm going to stand out with him for a couple of reasons. But, like, with William Jackson, what I'm curious to see there is I think – and he said it the other day, sometimes you just need to change the scenery. And I think he's being kind there. You know, everything I've heard from others is that 
I think that's really going to be a big deal for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but also playing behind this front and how does that, how does his, how is his game helped by that? And then does he have, does he become a little bit more of a playmaker because of that? We'll see. So, but mm-hmm. I think there's some things there. Um, Samuel, the way they use him, I'm really curious to see that. And, and I think they're going to use him in various spots, but I say Fitzpatrick because he has been playing a lot better the last couple of years. I mean, there, he's cut down on some of those turnovers. I still worry about him in the red zone because he's still like for sometimes when his picks are stem from not just because he's trying to make a play, it's because he didn't see somebody and that's, you know, and I, and you force it in there. It's like, well, how did you not see this? And it's in the red zone. And you know, I've seen that. So I don't know that he's quite, he hasn't quite escaped Fitz tragic, but, um, <laughs> but I do, but I am curious to see because he's better. His, I do think that they're better at quarterback than they were last year, even with Alex Smith. And I have you know great deal of respect for what Smith did and coming back. But as, but I think Fitzpatrick can match some of that or uh, to a degree, like, or the respect, I guess, the respect mm-hmm. that he gets from others for, di- for, ver- for different reasons, but guys do gravitate to him and they do like playing with him. And he does have natural leadership skills that Smith had different, but you know, different styles, but mm-hmm. they both are part of the team. They're one of the guys. And I think that that plays well in the locker room. That's important. But then Fitzpatrick is a better passer at this point than Smith is. So how does that help with this? So like, does, does he become, does he have, does he get to his first playoff game? Um, does he continue building on those last couple of years? And he's, he said he's playing the best ball of his career. Does he, does he build on that? And is that true over the course of a season? So I think there's some fun things to sit there and wonder about with him. And, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, he's going to be some pro bowler or he's going to, he's now there, you know, they still need a quarterback in the future. We know that, but I am curious to see how it plays out with him because I think they're better there. Exactly. Um, and next, same kind of question, but for the draft perspective, you know, taking Jamin Davis, Sam Cosby, Deami Brown, another guy. That, is there anyone that sticks out to you from that group to see this, you know, for this season in camp? Deami Brown, and then um, the other guy will be Shaka Tony. But Deami uh-huh. Brown, um, just because of what he adds, and it's funny because he made a lot of big plays downfield at Carolina, in North Carolina. He only ran like I say, only he ran like a four four six in the forty at his pro day. Based on what you saw in film, I would have thought at your pro day where the speeds are faster that maybe you're running like a 4-3 because I felt yeah. like it almost – but I, I also think what it spoke to is his ability to track balls downfield and then make some contested catches. And we saw that at, at practice the other day. So, But he does give you that ability because he does make plays down the field. And I'm curious to see how is he as a route runner overall. And I know there were some questions about that. and what you don't always know is, well, are they asking him to just do this? Did they not feel he could, he was ready to do this in college or are these the only routes that he was being asked to run? Like DK Metcalf had a limited route tree in college, Mm -hmm. but in some cases, because what they were asking him to run, that was it. And I think Brown is, he's similar. I also saw, maybe you saw this too. Like when you're watching his college games, that the corner on his side was always another yard or two deeper than the corner on the other side. So that opens up that comeback stuff. Right. And that opens up the comebacks, et cetera, in college. They're not going to, if he's, if he's at that speed, they're not playing that deep off him in the NFL. So he's going to have to run different things to really help this offense. And, you know, does he do that? But I think that's it. I think I like that pick. 
Um, and I say Shaka Tony, I think he's a guy to develop, but you know, dude has long arms, man. He's got yeah. some length to him. And I'm going to see what I'm curious to see is do they work him also as an off the ball linebacker in a base defense? What I saw the other day was mostly as an end and then like he, he would be an end in a sub package. Um, but I'm, you know, he's kind of taking that Ryan Anderson role possibly. And, but Anderson was not a pass rusher in a four, three Anderson did not. Anderson is an off the ball linebacker in a three, four. He's built that way. Right. Whereas this kid is built more like, I mean, again, that length gives him a better ability as a pass rusher um, to possibly help. So I don't know if he will or not, but I think he's another guy that I'm just curious to see where it goes with him. And then yeah. I, I said that the other one, because I know like everybody wants to see Davis and Cosby. Those are huge. But then yeah. base, how does he do, how does he go? Is he a really good blocker, like everybody says, the NFL? You know, but that's because they need that. For sure, for sure. I'm excited for those three as well. You know, almost picking back off that Bates, um, you know, pick right there. You know, with the recent moves tied in with the signings of Ricky Seals Jones, Deion Yelder, and of course drafted John Bates, the team is still looking to improve the position as they should. They need some upgrades behind Logan Thomas. As we get closer to camp, even through camp and preseason, do you think the team would make a bigger move for a guy? I mean, like I said, maybe O.J. Howard or David Njoku would become available as they get closer to the regular season. Again, that could be more fantasy than anything else. But do you think they're in play for a bigger move? Because clearly they're still trying to make upgrades to that position. They are, but I also think they want to try and pay Logan Thomas too. Okay. So I'm not sure that they're going to make – I mean, they've had all off season to make that move, and they – you know, so I don't – I don't know that I see that at this point, especially giving up draft capital in a draft that I think that people think will be a lot better. So mm-hmm. I think you'd have to really be desperate to do that because we're, we're, what we're looking at now is, in their eyes, just a, sec- a complimentary tight end to Logan Thomas. And I don't know that, like, you know, Logan Thomas still to me is not where, like, Jordan Reed was when he was going right now. Oh, for sure. had, the, the durability is different, but Jordan Reed was a different tight end. When he was right, right. When he when Jordan Reed was right, he was a special tight end. Um, and but he couldn't stay healthy. Whereas, mm-hmm. but Logan Thomas is a solid tight end who was better than expected. And I do think that working with this group on the outside, that you know, I don't know if he'll catch as many passes, but he may certainly. He's still going to get a lot of opportunities and maybe be put in more favorable positions because of attention paid elsewhere. And so, but I don't, that's, but my whole point in that is, I don't know that you need to get that guy and give up capital to get that guy, okay. um, which you may only have for a year or two, because I'd have to look at their, I forgot their contract status. Oh, you um, last year of the deal. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know, like, what are you going to, now, what, what would you have to give up to get him? It's a low round pick. Well, sure. But if you're giving up anything of substance, I just don't see that they would want to do that. Um, and I don't know that they're going to feel they need to do that. Okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. And but, 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 I, but I, and I think, and I'm sorry, Tyler, I think some of it too is like, how does, how does Bates progress, you know, and, and do, does one of these other guys, um, does anybody else kind of emerge to be a quality option? Cause they, they, what they really, you know, as you know, like you want to run some play action, you need to have two tight ends who are at least threats. Mm-hmm. And I think Bates can help them there. I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to kill you, but I think he can work down the field, but he's got some length to him. He has a wider catch. He has a wider catch radius, um, so that can help. But um, so you know, we'll see. No, I agree. And with Bates, you know, that's a guy actually. I thought he was drafted around ish early. Um, 
I think he's gonna be a good blocky tight end for this team, probably the ceiling of a number two. But obviously, that's what they're right. looking for. Logan is their guy. Um, and Logan should be their guy. You know, he's he's gonna be thirty, I think, this year. But obviously, he's a young thirty. He's new to the position, so I get that. And even I, I actually, I kind of intrigued by that Ricky Seals Jones signing because he's a guy with a lot of talent. He was a wide receiver at Texas A&M. Um, right. Had some issues, but I mean, I think it's something that team could look for to at least come, you know, make the team the third or fourth tight end. You know, and with Samus Reyes, you know, like I said, the, the moves of Ricky Sales Jones and Deion Yoder, obviously, I know the team likes him. I know there's a lot of intrigue by him and the fans are, you know, excited about him. But, you know, with a guy like him, he has to play football. And I know you, you know more than me being there at practice and a rookie camp with him or seeing him. I mean, obviously, he's very, you know, raw and going to take time to develop. And he's more of a practical practical guy at this point, right? Yeah, I would, I would think so because, listen – we haven't seen him even take a hit in a game to see, does he hold on to the ball in that situation? How does he react? He's a big guy. He looks the part. He's a good athlete. So he's got that stuff, but there's so much for him to learn. It's not, I don't think it's, I don't think it's as like Antonio Gates moving in there and like Gates makes his big in, impact. I mean, it's, it is a hard transition, especially for somebody who did not grow up with the nuances of the sport or even like maybe even understanding the sport when he came here at 14 and somebody asked him if he'd play football, he'd say, yeah, because for him, football was soccer. Yeah. And he was like, no, no, American football. Uh-huh. So there's there's a, there's a more of a rawness to him because of that. Um, that's actually, in some ways, that would be good for them down the road because you can mold him in a way that he doesn't come in with this, you know, with any habits at all. But exactly. it's going to take time. I mean, I think when they sign him, there was a lot of, obviously, you know, from media and just his story it creates buzz it's like, oh, maybe he can do this. Maybe, and maybe he can, but it's going to take time to get there. I don't think that when they sign him, it's like, okay, that's he is a you, he has a feel of a practice squad guy. Now, if he isn't, that's great. But I think that's how you'd have to look at him and let him develop. Get him in your program. It's almost like a redshirt freshman going mm-hmm. to college. You know, he's a talented guy. What can do as a sophomore? I think that's how you have to look at him. And again, if he does something, that's that's great. But, you know, and I know the other thing, because when you bring that up or, or when this topic is brought up, it's like, well, people worry about, well, what happens if he's on the practice squad and somebody takes him or if they cut him with somebody? We hear this every year about a guy that everybody's worried about being cut because he's yeah. the hot name here. Every city has a hot name that gets cut and put on the practice squad, right? I mean, there's always that camp guy there was like, you may lose him. And, tip, you know, I don't, I've been here, I've, obviously done this a long time. I don't remember a key guy that they've really ever lost in that situation, you know, Mm -hmm. because everybody's got guys that they want to keep on their own. And if you're going to keep, put them on your roster, is he ready to help you? Well, I, I don't know. I mean, if they're not putting him on the roster, it's going to tell me that this guy isn't ready to play in the NFL yet. Cause if it's close, if it's close, you're putting them, you're keeping them for the reason I said, then you don't want to lose them. They kept Jeremy Sprinkle a couple years ago because of that they knew that people like the big tight ends who can block. So you, if you put him on practice squad, even if he's not ready, you put him on practice squad, somebody's going to poach him because mm-hmm. of that size. Exactly. So it was close. So they kept him. Now he didn't develop, but it was that's the reason behind it. So I think the same thing will be true here. Like if he can do it, if it's close, you're going to keep him. If not, you're going to let him stay on there. Let him marinate on the practice squad for a, for a while, see how he develops because it's a long road for him. There's a lot to be curious about because of the size, because of the athleticism. I mean, you look at him again, like you always talk about, you want certain guys first off the bus. 
Well, I want Chase Young coming off first off mm-hmm. that bus, but Samus would be really right would be right behind him because he looks the part. Awesome. Yeah, like I said, the potential's there, or oh, hopefully potential's there, but there's just so much unknown. Hopefully yeah. He'll be something for the team. But, that's but that, and, and that's where I go back to measuring progress, spring, you know, mini camp, and then training camp. How does a guy progress? Right now, he looks like a guy who is like, you can see the athleticism, you can see certain things, but, you know, you, but you don't see like, oh, this guy's going to just kill people right now. You don't see that now. I mean, John Bates looks smoother, right? And um, because he should, he's played it. But how does he develop in training camp? That's going to be the fun part to watch. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, lastly, and uh, thanks again for being here, John. Uh, This is just more of a fun, nostalgic question. Uh, You've covered the team for over 20 years. I know there hasn't been many bright spots uh, during (laughs) the tenure, unfortunately. But but do you have a favorite memory, too, from covering this franchise? I, I don't know if I have a favorite memory as much as I think my favorite season was, was RG three's rookie year. Uh And, you know, the franchise had been gotten kind of stale, (laughs) you know, to say, to say the least. I mean, there's been some, I think there've been some moments that have been very special. I mean, you know, even Portis's run on in Gibbs's opening, his return was a, was a fun moment. Um, I think, um, you, know, you go back to the playoff game in, in, in 99 against Lions, that was a fun moment. But I think for an overall season, it was Griffin's rookie year just because of the the energy that he brought to this franchise. And that started back before he was even – the minute they made that trade and people knew he was going to be the guy, people were geeked out beyond belief. And I don't blame them. And I just remember going to a card show in Chantilly they did in that March before the draft and how long the line was for people to get his autograph. And there was, there, you know, you just knew like there was a charisma to him that people just gravitated toward. And they loved his playmaking ability, but there was also something else different. And that whole year, because of how the, the offense they ran and the, and, and the overall feeling for the fans and the franchise was like, oh, you know, you got your guy for the next 10 years. That was the feeling. And in, in that Dallas game was, was a big moment. Um, because of that, you know, that, that, all that emotion went into that, that, that run against Minnesota, um, was, was that the, the, the game against new Orleans. I mean, there was a lot, there were a lot of moments that year, but that's why I say that I would go to that year as being my favorite on the beat because everything was also about discovery too. You know, how do watching the saints linebackers get destroyed by the zone read, was a lot of fun. And every week it was like, I love going back to watch the games. And I would spend 18 hours on those Tuesdays going back, watching the game, writing up reports and wa- over and over and over watching it just to see how did they adjust to how teams are playing them, but how often did they fool them? How long, like if there's a difference in play action pass out of the zone zone read fake versus the normal play action and the reaction by the linebackers. And the answer is yes, there was, it, it froze the linebackers even more. So there was more you could do than the way they'd incorporate that diamond look um, in the backfield as the season went on. And how did that play out? And this, the buzz around the team, the seven game winning streak and that, that Dallas finale to, to win the division. That was a, that was a fun year to cover. And I just remember um, after that Dallas game going, walking past somebody in the front office um, after that game, it's like, you know, it was a, it was a night game. So it was pretty late. And yeah. we were talking about Griffin. He's like, you know, that kid's going to get a lot of people paid. And the sad part is the way it ended is just the way it went from there 
was was unfortunate for the organization, for him, for the fans. Um, but that season was special, and and that was fun. That was like I said, I would always point to that one as my most enjoyable to cover. Yeah, I mean, even as a uh, younger fan, that's the highlight of my Washington fandom as well. I mean, Robert, that was a great season. Um, you know, it was absolutely amazing to see what he could do and turn that team around from three to six to 10 and six and the moments he had. And, um, you know, obviously I think one of the biggest what ifs in this history, at least recent history is going to be what if he didn't get hurt and, you know, everything else, the way things transpired, because like you said, that I think even that year, I think Justin Tuck, like that year, um, after they played them that first giants game, he was like, they're going to have to deal with him for the next 10 years. And, you know, exactly. for for a lot of reasons so hopefully- right i mean that that fourth and eight against new york was an unbelievable play he held that he he scrambled for like eight something eight point something seconds to buy time to make that play and you know and there was it was just like i said for me it's like because i you i spend so much time going back and watching stuff well the previous year i'm going back and watching john beck and rex grossman for God's sake. And, you know, and I, yeah. and I love Rexy, but like that was, it's not the yeah. same as going back and watching Griffin and every week it was different and how they, you know, the, the, the game plan and just how they incorporate it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, 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 I mean, they're up 14, nothing. And then he get tears the ACL. And yeah. I mean, there's so many what ifs with that. And, and I know a lot of the thought process, why they didn't and, you know, yeah. pulling in that game and, I know that you know Shanahan had to do it now. He would have pulled them. He wouldn't have listened to him. He would have pulled them. At the time, yeah. they were afraid that if they pull them, how's that gonna? How's that trust gonna play out with the two with the yeah. sides? Because I think they were worried about that too. I mean, they were already they already saw some behind the scenes things that like maybe you got to handle things differently as we saw play out from their perspective. And um, so, but it but it is like if he doesn't get hurt, how does he grow as a player? Does you know? I mean, he clearly. He was still fast, but I felt like he lost some of that explosiveness after those injuries. And that, and it just took away part of his game. And he didn't, you know, it's like if you don't want to do certain things or, or they felt like that, um, you know, it's just it's too bad. But that season was a lot of fun. And it was because of him. For sure, for sure. It's, it's almost like he was a guy that was born a few, two years too early because, I mean, he, he'd be perfect almost for some of the offenses that are run today and the guys that are – Well, he was perfect for that offense. And I think That's that was true. the precursor to all these offenses were how they used him. And they took what how Carolina used Cam with um, under Rivera and, and that offense, which they did incorporate some of the zone read, but these guys took it to another level. And I think other teams, because of that, you started to open up maybe the, the certain eyes for other teams as to how you could use various players. Russell Wilson would do some of that. Um, yeah. Just they were different players, and he, you know, but so it wasn't quite as much, but there was some of that incorporated. So um, it, I think it did help did help to grow some other offenses. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, too, it's just too bad what, where it went because a lot of fun to watch in this fan base. That's where for this fan base, you just want to see them be rewarded with having more seasons like that because yeah. they've been through the ringer. So. Yeah. Well, hopefully there'll be more you know success here in the future, especially with the way the team's been building uh, as of late, but um, you know, thanks again, John, for, you know, joining the podcast and just take, I want to take a moment real quick that, you know, you've done so much for me to get my start in this, you know, area of sports and I'm really appreciative to everything you've done and, um, I look up to you and I really love all your work. And I think everyone speaking for, you know, the fan base here, we really appreciate all the work you do for ESPN. You're, I think you're the best Washington put podcast out there and the best content. So again, thank you for all that. Well, I, I appreciate that Tyler. And I, I, I enjoy coming on. So thank you.
Thank you, man. Thanks again. Well, with that, that will conclude this special Roman Around the League episode. It was a thrill to have John Kime on. He's been a mentor to me and been really instrumental in getting my media career started. And for that, I'm forever grateful. I hope you enjoy this edition of the pod. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL Scout 21 and Instagram at Roman Around the League underscore pod. Thanks for listening. Please rate and subscribe. This is your host, Tyler Roman, signing off. See you next time.